Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. As Americans, we place a great price on freedom. We value freedom very, very much in the United States. Our country has fought a revolutionary war. In fact, how appropriate. In just a few days, we will celebrate the 4th of July. In doing so, we celebrate how our forefathers and our country signed the Declaration of Independence and declared our country independent over sovereign rule of Great Britain. And, more importantly, years to come, we have fought world wars, not for our own country's freedom, but also for the freedom of other countries in this world. And so, we recognize freedom is something precious, and it is a gift given to us by God. And so, in a few days, our country, our nation, will celebrate that great gift of freedom on July 4th. Now, Our country is also founded on the principle of we determine our own destiny. We don't rely upon other countries to tell us what we should do or how we should act or live. I choose or I determine follows the principle of our country. And yet, you see, that's not biblical freedom. Now, don't get me wrong. The freedom that we recognize here in the United States and we cherish is great freedom freedom of a sovereign nation. But also, biblical freedom complements that. And we see that in all three of the scripture readings for this weekend. In fact, how ironic, as we are about to celebrate July 4th. You see throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, biblical freedom. Now, recognizing it's not what I decide, but what God decides for me that truly matters. We recognize that I am not the person I determine, but instead, I am the person that God determined me to be. See, that's the biblical perspective of true freedom. You know what reminds me of the great joke? If you really want to make God laugh, just tell him of your future plans. Well, the second reading I think is important for us to understand biblical freedom, especially the freedom that we see in the first reading in the gospel. In both the first reading and the gospel, we hear what sounds like no freedom whatsoever. Jesus asks people in the gospel to follow him in discipleship. One person says, well, let me go back and bury my father. Jesus' response, well, let the dead bury the dead. Go to the first reading, Elijah. Elijah chooses Elisha to be the next prophet to succeed him by simply placing his cloak over his shoulders. Now, Elijah never asks if Elisha wants to be the next prophet, or he never even considered to be the next prophet. And so it doesn't sound like Elisha has much freedom at all. This is why we have to turn to Paul in his letter to the Galatians that helps us understand biblical freedom. St. Anselm once said, 
The virtuous person is one who is able to do the good easily. Well, you are a virtuous person. If you know what is the good, and you're able to choose it and do it rather easily. And yet, some struggle at times to do the good in life. There are times in which people, they are torn between saying yes and good and choosing the good. I'll give you a great example of this. Think about something that you want to improve in your life. You say, for example, I want to be a kinder, more charitable person, or I want to be more forgiving, or I want to be more patient. Well, that's the image of the person you're supposed to be. And yet you say to yourself, I know I'm supposed to be that person, but there's something that prevents me from being that person. Well, what is it? Well, it could be a wide variety of things. Ego, pride, maybe you bear grudges. Those are just a few things that prevent you from being that person, that prevent you from choosing the good. Well, that gets to the heart of Paul's message. Notice what he says, For freedom Christ set us free, to stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul reminds us that through Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection, he has removed our enslavement to all things that prevent us from being free, especially the slavery to sin. See, now we are truly free, and we can say yes to God's will. Again, Paul says, For you were called for freedom. Well, Christian liberty and Christian freedom is to free themselves of all attachments such that now we can go and serve God. More to it, now we are free, free to mature in God's grace. Now, with that in mind, go back into the first reading. It makes more sense. It says, The Lord said to Elijah, You shall anoint Elisha, as a prophet to succeed you. Elijah set out and came upon Elisha as he was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen. He was following the twelfth. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak over him. Now it doesn't appear that Elisha or Elijah know each other. It's an interesting fact that Elijah doesn't even ask Elisha if he wants to be a prophet. He simply places his cloak over him. It's a symbolic gesture that God has now appointed Elisha to be the next prophet. And so it begs the question, who is Elisha? Well, we have a few clues. First, we know he is a very wealthy person. He's plowing with 12 oxen. 12, that's an extraordinary large amount of animals to do plowing. More to it, he's using a plow, which means he's using the latest technology of that time period. Only the wealthy could afford that many animals and that type of equipment. Next, it says, Elisha, taking the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He used the plowing equipment for fuel to boil their flesh and gave it to the people to eat. Then Elisha left and followed Elijah as his attendant. Well, it's a symbolic gesture. Elisha is giving away everything, everything that prevents him from following with freedom Elijah. It would be comparable to our day and age in which Bill Gates would sell his company Microsoft and then give the proceeds of that sale away and then go work for the church. Now, that truly is biblical freedom. You know, releasing ourselves from all those attachments that prevent us from being free to serve God. Well, where else do we see in the Bible people giving things away, freeing themselves of attachments? 
Well, the apostles, you know, they walk away from their jobs and their careers, even their family. Remember the story of James and John? They're in the boat with their dad. And Jesus says, come and follow me. And they leave their dad in the boat, as well as their jobs. Where else do we see that? In the lives of the saints. St. Francis, for example, born into a very prominent and wealthy family. You know, he always wore very fine clothes and jewelry. Later in life, he freed himself of all those attachments. He literally stood before his dad, and he undressed himself of all the fine clothing he wore, placed it on the ground. He placed all of his rings and necklaces and jewelry on the ground, and he walked away. Now he was free to serve the Lord, and he did just that. So you say to yourself, well, I can't do that. I can't leave everything. I've got a family. I've got wife and kids. I've got a job, a career, responsibilities. Well, don't worry. God is not asking us to take those extreme actions. Instead, I think the Bible and the saints give us great examples, compel us to take a long look at our life. The stories about Elisha and the apostles and St. Francis are meant to reach out and grab us, maybe shake us up. You know, as I've said many times, your life is not about you. Your life is not about serving your needs and your desires and your pleasures, and everything and everyone else comes secondary. No, your life is about you in relationship to God and how you live that relationship out every day of your life to the best of your abilities. Everything that we have is given to us by God. And so we have to ask ourselves, how well? do I use the things that God has given me to serve the Lord? How well do I use my prosperity to serve the Lord? How well do I use my skills and talents to serve the Lord? How well do I share my prayers for others? Notice at the end of the story in the first reading, Elisha, it says, he slaughtered the oxen, he used the plow to cook the meat, and then he gave the meat to the people and left. Well, now he gives everything away. Now he truly has biblical freedom, and he goes to serve the Lord. With that in mind, fast forward to the gospel. We see the same thing, that biblical freedom. Jesus is inviting people into discipleship. And what do the people do? They make excuses, one after another. One person says, let me first bury my father. Now, Jesus' response, we think, is maybe a little insensitive, cold. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Well, Jesus is not insensitive, nor is he against funerals. I think he's trying to shake us up. He's trying to teach us to identify our priorities in life. Again, the good question we have to ask, is God the first priority in our life? Or is God at the center of my life? If he is, then we have biblical freedom. Biblical freedom is basically the freedom of all attachments, such that now we can serve God. We know the good and we can freely choose it. Now, don't get me wrong. Our possessions, our cars, our houses, our property, golf courses, vacations, all those things are good. There's nothing wrong with them. They are all given to us by God as gifts. We should enjoy them. But the moment that they become the center of our life, then we're not free. If they are at the center of our life, now we are enslaved to them. Again, Paul says, For freedom Christ set us free. 
So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. These scripture passages are perfect, especially for our celebration of July 4th. On July 4th, we celebrate the precious gift of freedom that we have won and fought for, fought hard with blood, sweat, and tears as a nation. And so we should celebrate our freedom. But also at the same time, biblical freedom complements the freedom that we share as United States citizens. We all have been claimed by Christ. What once do we do? Surrender. Surrender to the Lord. And then we truly can freely follow him, follow the will of God. And see, then we truly are living out biblical freedom in a country that is so great that gives us the freedom to do just that. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.